All right, well, I'll invite everybody back in, and you can make your way to your seats, and we're going to continue. Once again, we just want to welcome you to Christ Central Church Fredericton. My name's Joe Crummy, and I'm one of the leaders here that will be speaking this morning. And if you're uh, first time here with us, we extend you a very warm welcome. And if anyone was here maybe for the first time last Sunday night at our Kids Club uh, Christmas event, a special welcome to you. So I have a question for you to start this morning, and you've got to help me out. So this is very participatory, so please be uh, thinking. And my question for you starting out this morning is this. Can you think of any movies, can you think of any movies that pits light versus darkness? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Star, Wars. Uh, Star Wars right down here in the front row. Lord of the Rings. So there's the two top answers on the board. Anyone else? The Lion King. Where did that come from? Who said that? Nancy. Wow. You're, you're referring to the original Lion King, not the other one that's coming out soon. Anything, anybody else? Who? Micah, up there. The star. Thank you, Micah. Well done. You guys are on a roll. Did I hear another one over here? Narnia. There we go. We're hoping more of those get produced. Miss Congeniality. <laughs> this, is where, this is where I transition on to the next point because then, although I always thought Barb and Sandra Bullock kind of looked like sisters, so I can see that was a good one. So we will transition there, but thank you for your participation. All right. Well, in movies, TV shows, books, throughout history, a lot has been written and a lot has been produced to have this sort of contrast between light and darkness. And we can see it in just some of the examples. And in the crummy household, certainly the Star Wars one is probably the favorite in the contrast between light and darkness. And many times we have quoted, come to the dark side, Luke. And you're like, no, don't do it. And that's one of our favorites. But in Star Wars, light, darkness. And most of the time, the contrast is this. Light is good. Light is for the good guys. Light is for all the good things. And darkness is always associated with evil, bad, death, destruction. And that's always the contrast that we see. And whether you know it or not, most of those stories actually are borrowed slash stolen from the Bible. Because in the Bible, we see a contrast as well between light and darkness. And in the Bible, light is good, usually referring to God and all the goodness that comes with God, and darkness is associated with sin or the devil or death. And so we have this huge contrast between light and darkness. And it makes its way into our everyday phrases. So if you're clueless about something and you don't know about something, you are in the dark. And if you have a revelation and an understanding about something that you didn't have before, you are now enlightened. Thank you. You're with me. Well done. And we pick up a story today about Jesus and just who we've been singing about this morning. And just to give the context, we're going to read from the book of John. And John was one of the most loyal closest followers of Jesus, and he later on wrote down 
really the story of Jesus and his experiences with Jesus and Jesus' teaching and experiences. And John set out to explain who Jesus is, why Jesus came to earth, and what the difference is between not following Jesus and following Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to turn to John chapter 8, and if you can read it up on screen, I know, as we said before, we had some screen issues this morning, so that's a little bit hard to see, but thanks to Dave and the crew for even getting two screens uh, working, and I'm going to read it from my Bible, and I'm at that stage where I can't really see up close or far away, so bear with me, because I don't know if I can even read it, but we're going to try. So this is John chapter 8, and we're going to pick it up at verse 12, and I'll read it, and in the context in these couple of chapters, John 6, 7, and 8, there was a lot of questions about who Jesus is, his identity, what his purpose was on earth, his teachings, his authority, and that's where we pick up. And in those chapters, Jesus begins to make some statements declaring who he is, and they all start with, I am. So we talk about Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and other sort of famous quotes from Jesus. This is one of the I am statements, and that's where we pick it up in verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees challenged him. That's the religious leaders of the day. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Because in that context, you needed two or three witnesses to be able to say that your testimony is valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father, referring to God, who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Whew. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Amen. So Jesus uses another one of these powerful I am statements. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, one of the things I find most interesting about this context of Jesus proclaiming this 
is that Jesus was proclaiming this to the religious people. So he wasn't with all kind of the bad guys, and you can kind of say, well, you're dark, I'm light. Who's he speaking to? He's actually speaking to the religious people when he makes this declaration. Because the religious people were actually missing Jesus' identity, his purpose, and why he had come. And Jesus here, when he says that whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, Jesus is addressing the big story of history. And the big story of history is this, that unless we walk and follow with Jesus, Jesus says we're actually living in the dark. The assumption is, and Jesus making that statement is, if you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness any longer. What does that mean? That we are walking in darkness if we don't walk with Jesus. And Jesus is addressing this big story of history and humanity, that there are actually two sides at war with one another, which the Lord of the Rings and Arnie and everybody else gets their ideas from, is that we have God who is light, and we have a real living enemy called Satan the devil, as the Bible refers to, who, it says, oversees or is in control of the kingdom of darkness. And there's this battle going on, the Bible says, between the kingdom of light, which is God, and the kingdom of darkness, which is evil. And how do we get to that story? Well, we'll pick it right up in the very first verses of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, this is what we read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And as we pick up the story, we see at the end of chapter 1 and in chapter 2, God created the first male and female in his own image and in his likeness, and it was very good, and they lived in the light, and they had friendship with both God their creator, and they had friendship with one another as male and female. They lived in paradise. It's an incredible story that God out of his goodness is so loving and so merciful and kind that God wanted to share his goodness, so he created Adam and Eve for him to share his relationship and his goodness and his glory with them, and they're made in his own image. Now, if we had the music in the background, this is where we go, dun, 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 because very quickly, there's a twist in the story that affects the rest of humanity. And this is the story, that darkness came when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And the Bible calls this sin, and there's different ways the Bible talks about it. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they didn't believe God in his word. They didn't trust God. They ignored God. They believed someone else's word over God's word. And at the end of the day, they felt their way was better than God's way. And that's rebellion against God. And here's the result. So Adam and Eve, they had this, they're living in paradise, and God, out of his own sovereign wisdom, said to them, you can have everything, you're over control of everything, and there's just one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you can't eat from. That's the only one. That sounds pretty good, isn't it? You've got paradise, one tree, don't eat from for your own good, and you can enjoy everything else. 
And we have Satan, a fallen angel, who hates God, who comes and he proposes a different alternative for Adam and Eve. And he questions God's goodness, and he questions God's authority, and he questions what God said. And please hear what I'm going to say. This is the original thing. This happens every day in our culture. So Satan comes along, and he says, and he questions, and he says to Adam, did God really say? So he begins to undermine, did God really say that you, and, the, and actually they replied correctly. They replied, yes, God, that's what God said. And so they actually replied, if you can read it in Genesis chapter 3 later. But Satan said this, God's holding out on you, and if you eat from this tree, your eyes are going to be opened, and you are going to be like God. Hmm. Now, that's an interesting thing, that maybe God's holding out on us. And Satan says, if you eat, get the irony in this, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Now, the truth is, they were already like God. They were made in God's image. And the reality is this. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And in a sense, instead of their eyes being opened, they were opened, but the result actually ended in a blindness, into a darkness. They now knew good and evil, and the Bible says this, that different things came in. All of a sudden, they were fearful of God, not in a good way, in a bad way. They hid from God. They had shame at their nakedness and darkness entered spiritually and they were separated from God and as we quickly see in the blame game they were separated from each other God said don't eat it's for your own good even if you don't fully understand it Satan says did God really say that and even when they responded with truth God's holding out on you if you eat of this fruit your eyes are going to be opened they ate of the fruit and actually their eyes even though they were open to nakedness, were actually, in a sense, closed. They became blinded. And fear and shame and hiding is what was the consequences. And they actually put themselves in the dark. And they were separated in their relationship with God, and very soon they were separated in their relationship between each other. Some pretty serious consequences. Now, here is the result long-term from all of that. And here's where most of us don't understand. Is that from that point on, the Bible says this. We were all born, every one of us, for the last several thousand years, we were all born as humans into darkness. Can you follow me on that? Because here's what we think a lot of times. We think we're neutral. So we're born into this world, we're neutral. And this is what we can think. We can think, bad people over here, murderers and convicts and whatever we'd consider bad, neutral, me, and saint-like Mother Teresa Pope over here, and as long as I'm more over here than I am over here, of course people need to hear good news. The bad people need to hear good news, but I'm neutral and I'm pretty good. And that's what we kind of subconsciously think. And the Bible says this, that there's two kingdoms, and guess what? 
you are born into the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to say that again. You're born on this team over here. You are born into the kingdom of darkness because we were born of flesh and blood and Adam and Eve are our parents from long ago and their sin caused consequences that last for all of humanity and we are born over here. Now there was only one person who was born different from the rest of humanity and we just sang about it this morning. And that's why the birth of Jesus is such a huge issue for Christians. And we say, why was he born of a virgin? Why was he born when Mary didn't have intercourse with Joseph? Like, why is that such a big deal? That's a big deal because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born different from everybody else who ever was born on planet Earth. And he had to be born of a woman so he was born, and we say, son of God, son of man. He was born in our humanity through Mary. So that was a real birth, and that was messy, and that was painful. And, but he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So when he was born, he was different from everyone else because he was coming to deal with getting us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. That's why we call him a savior. He is going to transfer us, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's good news. Because if you're born over here, how do I get over there? And most of the time it was thought, well, if I just try to do good enough, then I will get myself over here. And Jesus came to say, do you remember who he's talking to, the religious leaders? You can't get from here to there by your own good works. Why? Because you're already on this team. That's the problem. And all of humanity onwards has been born into darkness except for Jesus. And what this, we don't always define it this way because we think we're naturally good. And in a sense we are because we're made in the image of God. And even though sin has come, there's a remnant that we are good because we're made in God's image. And that's why we honor life. That's why we honor all people groups and everyone, because everyone is made in the image of God. But sin has marred that. It's distorted that. And we're actually born here. And we need to get over there to have a relationship with God. And the results of this darkness, I've already said them. I'm going to go through them again. The results of being born over here is this. It affects our lives. Fear, a lot of times, rules our lives. Now, we can put other names on it, and anxiety, worry, stress, but a lot of times the root of that is fear that isn't dealt with. So that's one thing. Shame, we deal with shame. So shame is, I don't like who I am. So shame, we're going to talk about guilt in a second. Well, I can do it now. Guilt is, we're guilty. Guilt is when we're upset about the things we've done or that we've not done that we know we should have. So guilt is... I knew I wasn't supposed to do this, but I did it. Or I should have done this good, and I didn't do it, and I feel guilty. Shame is, doesn't have to do with what you did or didn't do. Shame is, me as a person, I'm ashamed. It's a different thing, and it's powerful, isn't it? And we deal with shame, because what do we want to do? We want to hide. 
and we want to be something else or someone else. And we deal with death. And we can get caught up into thinking that we just deal with the here and now. And we don't think about that the Bible says this, we're all appointed to death. We're going to die. We're going to die. Okay? And a lot of times we doesn't hit us until maybe people around us die and we're hit with that reality. Maybe we have a health scare and we realize, you know what, I'm not going to live forever. And we always think it's going to happen to somebody else. But all of us are destined to die once and we're going to face God. So the consequences of sin, of Adam and Eve disobeying God, fear, rules, guilt, shame, and death. There's physical death, and there's spiritual death, that we don't have a relationship with God like we're meant to be. And here's what happens, is that Satan put out a promise to Adam and Eve saying, if you do this, you will be like God, and you will be satisfied. You will be happy. And we have lots of voices in our day and in our age that say the same thing. If you do this, or if you have this, you will be satisfied. You will be happy. And I'll mention, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is just some of the voices that we get told in our culture. Money. So if you have lots of money, then you will be happy. That's one of the voices that we get told. Doesn't matter how you get the money. Doesn't matter if God's involved. Money will be the answer. Power. If you can have control, then you will be in charge and you will be at peace and at rest. Relationships, if you have pleasure, satisfaction, that will be fulfilling. If you have possessions, you'll be content and comfortable. If you have achievements and success, you will feel secure and have a great status. And I can go on and on and on and on. And every one of those things or people that we, that aren't Jesus, it's like that fruit on that tree. We bite into it because it looks good, <laughs> and we bite into it wholeheartedly, and we consume it, and we're expecting by eating this, by consuming this, I'm going to be enlightened, I'm going to be satisfied, I'm going to be fulfilled. And the reality is the same result, and sometimes it might take time, sometimes there is immediate pleasure, and the consequences come, but it's the same effect as with Adam and Eve. When we bite in and we consume these things, instead of being fulfilled and enlightened and satisfied, we're unfulfilled, we're empty, we're confused, we're hurt, we're searching, or we become addicted to that thing or that person. And it leaves us wanting for more. So I'm giving you the bad news first. The summary is this, folks, we're in the dark. And most of the times we don't even know it. And the greatest trick of the devil is this, is for us to think there isn't a devil. So in our Western worldview where we don't really deal with supernatural things and we're very rational, can I just say this for our rational minds? It's rational that there's a real devil because of all the terrible things that are going on in the world. And there is a real enemy. And we're not in neutral ground. And I get it. Some people love being in the dark. Jesus said it in John chapter 1. He said, you know what? John said it about that some people just love the dark. And some people have chosen to love the dark more than the light. 
What I'm trying to say is we kind of get that. We know some people are just, they're evil and they like being evil and they're proud of being evil. But we think that's not us most of the time. And we think those people need help. The murderers, cons, terrorists, they need help. So I'm glad that there's good news for them. Give them Jesus. (laughs) But I don't need Jesus. But Jesus said to the religious leaders, you are in the dark. You're blinded. You are unaware that your traditions and your history and your family line don't equal true relationship with God, and you don't know God as Father. And I would dare say this morning that it's even more dangerous to be blinded thinking, I don't need God, than it is to have an awareness of God that you need but choose not to. Because if you don't know you're in your dark, you'll never be open to seeing that God has provided light. So it doesn't matter which spectrum you're on. Maybe you're content to love the darkness rather than the light, or maybe you're unaware that one is spiritually in the dark. Both lead to death. Physically leads to death, and we'll be separated, and the Bible says this, if we don't know Jesus, when we die, we're going to be separated from him forever, and the Bible calls that hell, and it's a terrible place. Physically we die, spiritually we're separated from God, and Jesus was very clear to the Pharisees, If you don't follow me, you will die in your sins. He says it three times. Now, here comes the good news. The light is going to be turned on. But we've got to be aware that there's even a darkness. And I think if most of us were honest, we would say there's a lot of darkness in the world. We just don't always realize we're part of the problem. But the good news is this. We don't have to live in the darkness. And I hope you understand the songs that we sang this morning, how many times the word light was used in reference to Jesus. And if we look at the Old Testament, here's the amazing story, the big story of the Bible and the big story of God. All this wasn't unaware to God. God promised for thousands of years that there is a light coming. It's incredible we go through. I'm just going to give you a few verses, but there I could go on all morning. That there's prophecies that were predicted and given about a Savior who is coming, who's going to be light of the world, who's going to bring salvation, who's going to save people from darkness, he's going to save people from sin and blindness and captivity, and he's going to bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. We're explaining the songs we sung this morning. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness On them, a light has shined. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Hallelujah! Good news! 
we're acknowledging there's darkness, deep darkness, but a light is coming. And Jesus stands up. I am the light of the world. And as Ollie read out this morning from Luke 1, in the darkness, Jesus came. Whew, powerful. And Jesus' birth and his life is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. In Luke 2, Simeon, an old man, had been promised by God, you're going to see the Savior before you die. And in verses 29 to 32, when Jesus was brought to the temple, Simeon saw Jesus as a baby. And he says this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. He's like, I'm ready to die. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Sibian saying, a savior, the light of the world has come and he's gonna save all peoples. He's a light not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for all of humanity. John 1, 4, John says this, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that. The darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. And Jesus came to earth, stepping down into a dark world. He was born into darkness to be the light of the world. And Jesus pointed to a time when people would truly know that he is the Son of God. Verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own authority but speak as the Father has taught me. And Jesus is connecting the Christmas story of his birth into planet Earth with the Easter story. Jesus is connecting that when the Son of Man is lifted up, he's talking about Jesus being put on a cross, that the Son of Man would be lifted up. And he connects Christmas to the Easter story that Jesus lived a perfect life, thus he fulfilled God's command. He did what the original Adam didn't do. And Jesus, although a good man, a perfect man, he never sinned. Does this sound fair? Jesus was arrested. He went to trial. He was condemned to die. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was scorned. And he hung on a cross for the world to see his nakedness and his shame. And on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for the sins of the world and for you and I but there was a price to pay for disobeying God. And the consequences of sin had now been dealt with. And the pollution of our sin is going to be cleared up. The power of the addictive sin is going to be broken. The partition that separates us from God is going to be removed. That's the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus has done for us what we could never do. Jesus, light of the world, was snuffed out. He was swallowed by darkness. We read this in Luke 23, 44 at the Easter story. It was now about the sixth hour at noon, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, 3 p.m., while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So in the Easter story for three hours, when Jesus died and hung on the cross, it went dark. Jesus swallowed up in darkness. 
But Jesus came to dispel spiritual darkness. And to do, do so, Jesus had to endure the darkness and the suffering of the cross and separation from his Father. But the good news is this. Three days later, when God raised Jesus from the dead, the resurrection conquered sin, death, and darkness. Hallelujah! So for Christians, Christmas and Easter is every day. It's every day. Every day is Christmas and Easter because we celebrate every day the fact that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, that he's resurrected, that he's living today, and he has conquered sin, death, and the devil. So every day is Christmas. Hallelujah! Every day is Christmas. Isn't that wonderful? That's exciting. Praise God. Every day is Christmas. And the question is this. Why does this matter? Because if we don't get this, the Bible says we're going to keep living in darkness and we're going to miss out living in the light. And when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, Jesus is making a global statement for eternity that he's the light of the world for all of humanity. Not just for the Jews, not just for bad people, for everyone. And if we miss out we're going to keep living in darkness and we're going to miss the good of living in the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. So here's the application. Following Jesus, putting our trust in Jesus, obeying Jesus, learning to love Jesus, learning to receive from him, all those different things that we talk about, different ways of describing being a Christian, following Jesus, being a Christ follower, when we do that, the effects of the darkness begin to fade in our lives. And here are the four things that are dealt with. The power of darkness in fear, Jesus begins to deal with that. And that Jesus begins to show us that putting our trust in Jesus for everyday life, for our struggles, for our future, for all of the big and little decisions in our lives, as we begin to follow Jesus, the power of fear on those things begins to dissipate. It begins to get less and less. And Jesus, as we follow him, begins to help us understand our purpose in life. And all of a sudden, those things that had control of us through anxiety and stress begin to lessen. For some people, it's immediate. For others, it takes time. And sometimes things flare up, and usually as we get distracted from Jesus, our stress goes <laughs> up. But Jesus deals with the darkness of fear controlling our lives, that we know we're not alone, that God loves us, that God is with us, that God is for us. Jesus deals with the darkness of guilt, of what I've done or what I've not done. And the Bible calls this forgiveness, that we can be forgiven of the things that we've done, or that may be the good that we should have done and we didn't do, that we can feel guilty about. Jesus deals with that. On the cross, Jesus took all of that, all of our guilt. He paid the price, and he grants us forgiveness. Do you know this morning that you can have peace with God? You can be made right with God, that God has dealt with all of those things when we come to him. Jesus deals with the darkness of shame and hiding and all of those things that we can't even put words to, but we sure do 
feel it. And I think if we're honest, we all have issues. We have body image issues. We have all kinds of things that we just don't like ourselves. And Jesus, when we follow him, Jesus says this. When we put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we're born again, that his Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. Do you know what the amazing thing is? Jesus Christ, who says, I am the light of the world, says this to his followers, you are the light of the world. Jesus' light lives in us, that we're a new creation in Christ. Now, where do we get our identity from? Our identity doesn't come from what other people say about us. Our identity doesn't even come from what I think about myself. My identity comes from who the Father says I am. And the Bible says this, that I'm placed in Jesus, and the Bible loves me as a son, that God, Father loves me as a son, and I get to call God, who, Emily just read out from Psalm 18, which is absolutely true, who is a God of power and fear and might, and even his nostrils blow planet Earth to pieces. We get to call that God Abba, Father. Wow. That's what comes with following Jesus, that that darkness of shame is put away, that we have a new identity, that we're loved and accepted, that we've been adopted. And the Bible says this, that we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, the old Adam, the first Adam, and we've been transferred into the kingdom of his son, whom he loves. And the last thing, Jesus when we follow him, he deals with the darkness of physical and spiritual death. That Jesus conquered death. His resurrection proves that death could not hold him down. And instead of fearing dying, instead of fearing a hell in eternity apart from God, Jesus says this, I'm going to bring you into an eternity with God my Father and that first paradise that was broken by sin is going to be restored. And folks, we're going to get to live in paradise with God. That we're going to know God and see Jesus face to face. That our bodies are going to be made new and they're going to be like Jesus. And the Bible says this, there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more crying, no more tears. Woo! It almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it? And here's an interesting thing about heaven. In Revelation 22.5, it says this, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. There's going to be no more darkness in heaven. Isn't that amazing? So here's my invitation or challenge, depending upon where you're coming from, is this, is that would you today, December 23rd, Christmas 2018, in the next 10 minutes, in the next 10 minutes, now you got all Christmas, but I'm saying in the next 10 minutes, if you know that in any of those four areas that Jesus isn't the center of your life, when it comes to fear, when it comes to guilt or shame, or maybe 
when it comes to understanding death and the finality and eternity of that. Would you today put Jesus, light of the world, in front of you that you can be a follower of him so that you will no longer be in darkness and that you will enjoy the light of life in you? Because if we don't, we continue to live in the consequences of being in the dark. But if we do, we have the light of life. So in closing, it sums up like this. In the physical world, our planet revolves around the sun. And the sun is the light of the world. Debbie just talked about it this morning, the sun rising. Everything in our galaxy depends on the sun. Without it, there would be darkness and death. And in this, our spiritual world, Jesus is the center of all things. Jesus is the light, and he holds all things together. So my challenge and invitation this morning is, let's put Jesus in front of us. Let's put Jesus as the center. Let's follow him. Let's follow Jesus Christ, light of the world. Let him dispel the darkness and that we can have the light of life living in us. That's available to us this morning. That's what Christmas is all about. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond to this great invitation from Jesus. Okay, so Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps bring that re reality and brings illumination so that we can be enlightened with this truth of your good news. And Lord, I thank you for every person here this morning. And God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, through your word, through the living Christ, that you would come now and that God, you would transfer people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Lord, I pray that those who already know you, God, that more and more you would be central, that Jesus, we would follow you, light of the world, that we would no longer live in darkness, that we would have the light of life living in us. To your glory, for our good, and for the good of those around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.